I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And, and we're, we're the, the sirens. sirens. Today we're talking about Metropolis, which is a 1927 pioneering German silent science fiction movie that was directed by Fritz Lang and written by uh, Thea von Harbour. I am going to completely butcher all of the German names in this uh, description of the film. Um, so Emily... <laughs> I will haughtily correct you. No, <laughs> That's right. Emily will haughtily correct me. It's fine. Uh, the movie stars uh, Gustav Freilich, um, Alfred Abel, uh, Rudolf Kleineroga, and Bridget Helm. It took 17 months to film in 1925 and 1926, and it cost more than $5 million, which was like three times its actual budget. The movie, Metropolis, opens with the epigram, The mediator between the head and the hands must be the heart. Metropolis is a futuristic, utopian city imagined, built, and run by Joe Friederson. How do you actually pronounce that guy's name? Friederson? Friederson? Okay. But the the city is kept af- afloat by an underground city of workers, uh, which are the hands, um, and Friederson is the head. One day, Friederson's son, Frieder, discovers the, the beautiful Maria, who emerges from the city's bowels with a group of children. Frieder is taken by her beauty and soon discovers that the, the underbelly is of his father's city, which is something he had not imagined or knew existed. Maria, it turns out, is a saint for the workers, and Frieder goes to his father to express his shock at the iniquities that make Metropolis possible. His father, of course, is nonplussed. Uh, undeterred, Frieder is determined to stand with the workers that um, make the city run, and Friederson, meanwhile, takes some maps found on the workers to the inventor, uh, Rotwing, who is um, a former rival in love. Rotwing uh, reveals to Friederson a machine human that he's building. Uh, we discover that Rotwing is secretly plotting to use this robot to kill Frieder and topple Friederson's empire. Rotwing kidnaps Maria and transfers her likeness to the robot. This false Maria unleashes chaos throughout Metropolis, driving men to murder and stirring dissent among the workers. Lots of special effects ensue. That's good summary because this is actually a very complicated <laughs> a very, plot. I know. There were a couple of points in the movie where I like, you know, went back a little bit to clarify what had just happened. Plus, if you take into account the fact that the original version of this movie doesn't exist anymore, mm-hmm. and there's, like, huge chunk, I don't know what version you saw. There is, like, a more recent one that's, like, an hour and a half long that is more complete, but I did not watch that one because it's not, like, widely available, and I figured most people would have watched, like, one of the older, less complete ones. <laughs> so, wait, <laughs> so how the- long was the one that you watched? Two hours. Because the version that I watched was two and a half hours long, and it was on, I found it on Canopy through my library. Oh. It was like the 2010 restored version that had. Okay. So So you actually watched the newest, the one that they found in like some archives in Argentina. That's right. Like. I mean, um, it was two and a half hours long, and I watched it at 1.25 speed, so it only took two hours, because I was like, I don't need to listen to to this. I can (laughs) read the title cards. So that's probably pretty smart because there is a lot of like just long looks or people like holding a pose for a while. Yeah. It's like um, 
It was, uh, yeah, I was telling Jen that that's what I was doing, and she was like, don't tell the director that. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh, yeah, Fritz Lang is, like, rolling over in his grave. Well, I think he probably deserves it, because if we jump into the trivia, he it sounds like he was a, like, pretty exacting, like, demanding director who... Sadist, one might Sadist? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, sadist, one might say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to hear this trivia. Okay, so the big thing that I could not... I didn't quite have time to nail down, but um, I saw some c- competing trivia about when this film is meant to take place. I, some sources said that it was 2026. Some said it was 2030. Either way, approximately now. Um, so <laughs> that was kind of an interesting thing to like think about, that it was the imagining 80 years ago of what it would be like today. The effects expert uh, Eugen Shoftan created the pioneering visual effects for the movie, and among the effects used are miniatures of the city with the camera on a swing and um, what's known as the Shoftan process, which is um, mirrors are used to create the illusion that the actors are actually in a miniature life-size actual actors are in the miniature sets, which was apparently a very arduous, lengthy process. It was pioneered with this movie. It was next seen um, in Alfred Hitchcock's movie Blackmail, and it actually has continued to be in use, and Peter Jackson used it in the movie The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. The- yeah, I thought the sets were so cool. Like the, I, I, I find the special effects of this movie still impressive yeah when you think about how they had to do everything manually it's pretty amazing the robot that was built by rotwing was created by uh, a sculptor who made a whole body plaster cast to put around the actress bridget helm who was actually inside the um the robot and the costume was constructed around the plaster cast and they ended up um, building the costume out of a like what was known as like a plastic wood, which was um, a, this like pliable substance that was used as wood filler. And they were able to make it appear metallic. Um, and it was better than actual metal because it was lighter and actually um, allowed for a small amount of free movement. But um, Bridget Helm hated wearing it and sustained some minor cuts and bruises while wearing it. Um, yeah, I read that she... Like, he would make her be in the, inside there for, like, nine hours uh, yeah. at a time. Yeah. And that she said, why should why does it matter that I'm in here when no one can see, see me? And he said... He said, I would know. Yeah, he said, like, I have to believe that you're in there, basically. <laughs> Unbelievable. Except he's a man, so whatever. Yeah, an artistic genius. That's right. Um, so speaking of him being a meticulous, exacting filmmaker... He often did multiple takes for even very uncomplicated scenes. For example, there's a scene where Freighter collapses at Maria's feet, and which is just, he just falls down on Maria's feet. And I don't even remember the the scene in the movie, but apparently Lang spent two days trying to get a shot of this film, and by the time, like, they finally got it, Freighter could not stand up anymore. Um, (laughs) And so it was very authentic. Right. Um, and then in the scene where Maria is, the, Maria is, the false Maria is burned at the stake, you know, it's Bridget Helm, uh, is, you know, actually in that sequence and her dress caught fire. And in a, a lot of the other scenes there, like when, um, the machine blows up, he didn't want to use dummies. So he put a bunch of people, um, in harnesses to, so that they could be like thrown 
with the explosion of the machine and they were supposed to you know look like they were in pain which was not hard because they actually were in pain um so it's fine. he he was method before method was a thing was, i think it's like extreme method also known as asshole um, <laughs> So, and then the chase for the chase across the rooftops, Bridget Helm and Rudolf Kleinroga actually had to climb across the tops of the exterior sets and race on planks 25 feet above the ground. That is not made up. Um, wow. And at the end of that sequence, sequence um, Bridget Helm has, has to leap for the rope attached to the cathedral bells, and she didn't have a stunt woman. She had to actually do that. And there were mattresses like placed underneath the rope in in case she fell but it was still pretty high up on the ground and she she caught the rope on the first time and then slid down the ringing bell and that like she like went careening into the sets walls and as you can imagine she was not happy about that and she was totally bruised and she left the set in tears because she was really young for the filming of this too, so I feel yeah. like that this has to. Have, I I did read that he she refused to ever work with him again I after mean, this movie. <laughs> seems totally reasonable. Um, the only other bit of trivia that I found to share was that H. G. Wells called it the silliest film he ever saw. So, whoa, it's had, funny because where did you think about him when you watched it? Like, periodically. I mean, I, I mostly thought about, like, where this... I was curious about where the movie fell in terms of, like, other early science fiction. In terms, like, who influenced who. I don't really know enough about H.G. Wells. Yeah, I kind of assumed that he had influenced this, but... Yeah. Because there, there's definitely parallels with the time machine and the mm-hmm. underground workers and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the trivia that I have. Um, that's great. Well, I um, am going to do a short bio of Brigitte Helm. Uh-huh. There's not a ton about her because her career was pretty short, actually. But she was born Brigitte Eva Gisela Schittenhelm in 1908 in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And she was the daughter of a Prussian army officer who died when she was a toddler. Who knew? She was serious, and in boarding school, she did appear in school plays, but she thought movie acting was immoral and looked down upon it, (laughs) Um, which was apparently, like, a very, like, Prussian attitude. And I can say this because I have of Prussian ancestry. <laughs> but her mother did not agree with that and sent her daughter's photograph to Fritz Lang's wife, the screenwriter Taya von Harbour, oh. who um, was the writer of this. And Helm, at 16, was tricked into taking a screen test for the film. And she got the role. <laughs> so, <laughs> lucky her. Great. Uh, so this was her first role as Maria in Metropolis. And she began work on it when she was only 18 years old. Um, And this is the role. I mean, it's basically a double role. She's Maria and she's also the machine man. Mm -hmm. After Metropolis, she made over 30 other films. And she successfully transitioned from silence to talking pictures. Uh, Her other appearances include The Love of Jean Ney, Alvouan, Largant, Gloria, The Blue Danube, Lantitide, and Gold. Uh, She was actually considered for the title role in Bride of Frankenstein before Elsa Lancaster was given it. Oh. I know. She would have been good, I think. Yeah. Based on this. Um, Her 10-year contract with UFA expired in 1935. 
and Helm retired from films then because she was disgusted with the Nazi takeover of the film industry. Hmm. At that time, the German film industry was really thriving, but then they just like, was like, no, everything's going to be propaganda and we're going to press everyone. So a lot of people left and either went to Hollywood or just retired unless they were going to step in line. That year she moved to Switzerland where she later had four children with her second husband who was a Nazi opponent, Dr. Hugo Kunheim. And in her later years, she refused to grant any interviews at all concerning her film career. And she died on June 11th, 1996 at age 88. Yay! A nice long life. Yeah. So it sounded like she mostly like lived a very quiet life in her later years. It was sort of like withdrawn from society. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I I wanted to bio her because I just think, you know, ostensibly she's not the main character in this film, but I think she really like owns the film. <laughs> and yeah. she's playing two completely different roles. Yeah. And this was her first movie ever so yeah and she's basically the only woman who has any lines so yeah so what did you think what were your initial impressions Hillary and was this the first time you saw this yeah this was the first time I had seen it and I was I think my like initial impression is that just that I was impressed by the set and just like the grandeur of it. I don't know that I would use the word like silly, but it was like simultaneously like complicated and very simple and kind of reminded me of like a fairy tale or like a Neil Gaiman book that was, you know, a little bit dark and like you kind of figured that it was gonna like end okay. But yeah, I wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't totally sure where it was going um, as it was going there. Had you seen it before? Uh, yes. <laughs> I went through a phase where I was kind of obsessed with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I shouldn't say anything bad about it if I want no, to No, you can. Because, re- I mean, I wasn't obsessed with it in the way that I thought it was perfect, but it just fascinated me so much uh-huh. that I just, yeah. I, like, the whole aesthetic of it, I think, is just so cool. And it hits that, like... Emily's sweet spot where it's sort of like about class and capitalism (laughs) and you know the leader who's gonna like bring the resolution about is a woman prophet like I was like into that but there's no newspaper men or that's true I mean I I said it wasn't perfect (laughs) uh I watched this for two different classes in college Mm -hmm. um and one was a German film class and the other one was about the city and literature and film. Oh. It was just, like, on my mind a lot at that time. And my best friend also got really into it. I don't even think she had to watch it for a class. I think she just watched it with me to be nice. But then we were constantly doing inside jokes of, like, there must be a mediator between the head and the head. <laughs> like, or talking about the... Um, the eternal garden that Freighter's frolicking in in the uh-huh. beginning that, like, has random, like, cranes and, like, mm-hmm. albino peacocks and stuff. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And one time, I think this might have been in Scotland, I went to a bar that was just playing the movie on a loop in the background for ambiance. Oh. And I thought that was so cool. Oh my god, that's that that is a very Emily thing that you went to a bar in Scotland where they were playing Metropolis. That's so... the most Emily thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so yeah, and also like for more contemporary pop culture reference, 
Um, Janelle Monet has like oh, she's yeah. been doing an ongoing concept series around this movie, mm-hmm. and this movie is how I came to know Janelle Monet okay. and get into her too. So, so it redeems itself. Not that it needed to be redeemed, but yeah. Well, then I was like, because I, I felt like who's watched this movie? And then I was like, well, Janelle Monet has watched this movie, so <laughs> she's got something to say. <laughs> yeah, I also think it kind of appealed. To me, and like, not that I think this is a good thing, but like, coming from a Catholic background, it had that dichotomy that I was very familiar with of like the Madonna and the whore, just oh, super uh-huh. explicit in the movie, in a way that I was like, oh yeah, this is like basically the iconography that I grew up with. Yeah, that's true. It's very iconic. Very. I think that's something that I I liked about it was that like. There were, like, some archetypes in it, for sure, and even though Fraterson is, like, theoretically supposed to be the bad guy, because he's the one on top who has all the power, it doesn't make him into a total villain. He, like, at some point has empathy for the workers, and the whole, like, at the end scene is that, like, he gets what the problem is, but he just can't, like bridge that divide and that's what they need the mediator for but i like you mean the heart you mean the heart hell yeah i mean the heart to mediate between the head and the hands (laughs) um i guess my only problem is that she isn't the mediator but i guess i'm fine with the guy being the one who has to do the dirty work between Uh, yeah I mean, if we actually break it down and, like, get into the message of the film, like, I find it frustrating because, for me, it really doesn't go far. Like, that whole... Yeah. First of all, Freighter is, like, anemic and (laughs) not a good leader and just, no. (laughs) Just no. Well, Um, and he's basically, like, he depends on Maria to, like, rally her, her people to bas- like to basically endorse him to say like guess this guy is the mediator instead of like he doesn't have to do any of the like rallying that she has had to do he just shows up and i agree with you that like it she seemed like so much more of a powerful figure and mm-hmm. leader mm-hmm. that it seemed like an, like she could have easily been the person to right take that step and also like the film's message about like compromise around capitalism i wasn't super into (laughs) you're like eat the rich (laughs) well honestly like the message of maria was like you guys just need to wait and be patient and suffer Uh and like eventually this foretold person will come and your lives might improve improve incrementally but like i was kind of more in line with the robot (laughs) who was like no like we're done waiting destroy the machines like it felt like you know it really wasn't gonna do it was trying too hard to be in the middle for my taste yeah yeah and then there like there's the part where they do destroy the machines like the workers destroy their machines sort of thoughtlessly without considering the fact that their children are in the you know in the city still and so like if maria and freighter hadn't like rescued rescued all the children they would have destroyed the machines at the like cost of all of their children and i think like that scene in particular, I was I was like, eh. you you're kind of portraying these workers as like stupid, thoughtless people who aren't thinking about like their what's good for themselves. They're just like, yeah. And you have to think too, like why was why was the system designed that if the machines broke down, it flooded the workers 
homes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that is not the worker's decision. Mm-hmm. That that it, you know, that that's like a threat of violence to keep them in line. Yeah. Actually, you know what this is reminding me of as we're talking about it? What it reminds me of is the Broken Earth trilogy that's written by N.K. Jemison, which is a sci-fi book that is, it's about their, like, I think in the third book, there's a whole underground city of people that, like, is required, requires that somebody is working always to, like, keep it running. And it's, like, a dystopian world. I have no idea if she, like, saw Metropolis and was inspired by it in some way, but... I, actually, I feel like I saw something about that when I was reading up on the movie, so maybe she was. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, like it might just be like, you know, it's like an er, like science fiction thing, so it, you know, lots of things are uh, influenced by it. Yeah. Although when we were watching, when I was getting ready to watch it, Jen was telling me about the play R.U.R., which is apparently was written up around the same period and is similarly... Or maybe it, like, was even before Metropolis, and it's the thing that Metropolis and Blade Runner, like, refer back to. I need to read up on my uh, science fiction. I know. I was thinking this is only the second science fiction movie we've done, if you count the blob. (laughs) Which is... I don't know if many people would count the blob, so... I think it... Well, I mean, it's it's not realistic fiction, right? Yeah. Well, didn't you think that even though the message of the film was, like you know, that sort of middle-of-the-road message, the imagery really kind of undermined that because, like, you're showing, like, all the rich sons in these, like, pleasure gardens with courtesans and having no idea what's going on. And then, like, the the images that I thought were, like, really striking in this movie were, like, like the drudgery of the workers and, like, shuffling, everyone's shuffling onto the elevators. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, right, they're already toiling. robots. Yeah, basically. Like, Mike was like, do they have to walk like that? And I was like, <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they're robots, basically. That's the point. So it, it made me not sympathetic at all to the ruling class. Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to be very sympathetic to them. Yeah, they didn't seem like they spent any time in the underground city. Well, Freighter didn't even know about it, right? He, like, sees Maria come up with the children, and the guards are like, how are you up here? And then they go away, and, he, you know, he says to the guard or whoever he is, like, who was that? Where did she come from? And then he finally, like, discovers that there's, like, this whole underground world that he, like, somehow did not know existed. So, like, the upside just doesn't know that the underbelly exists. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty much kept in ignorance by his father. Yeah. There's a real-life corollary, like, that the wealthy don't, they're the people in power don't have to know, like, about the oppressed because they don't have to know about the oppressed or they don't know, you know, white people don't know about the like the true true harm of racism because they don't have to know you know men don't understand what sexism is and then it still exists because they don't have to know um i made a note i don't think this movie is about social justice at all (laughs) (laughs) freighter is like all well-meaning newly woke white oh my god i know it's like the zealous convert I know, he spends one day working at the machine, and he's like, now I totally know what it's like to be a worker, and I, this yeah. is unjust, we need to do something about this. And the workers are like, okay, dude. <laughs> what were you going to say before? Uh, yeah, that, I mean, I, I think 
I just wanted to talk about Freighter and mm-hmm. how annoying he was. Also, the fact that he just was immediately in love with Maria, and mm-hmm. she was inexplicably immediately in love with him. Yeah. And they just, like, randomly making out. It's love at first sight, Emily. It's very romantic. <laughs> Um, I really love. She just the... giggles at that. <laughs> I know. She just, like, really, she had so much power. Yeah. Like, when, in the scene where she brought the kids up to the garden, she just stopped the guards with, like, withering stares. Yeah. Yes. And then, in, like, in the, um, catacomb scenes with the altar, she just, like, people are on their knees in front of her. Yeah. Because she's so powerful. Yeah. What do you, so... how do you think she got that power? I don't know. I want a whole, like, backstory of Marina. <laughs> I want a companion novel to this movie where Maria has is the heroine. There's definitely, like, a lot of Christian themes for this being sort of a science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. Like, even beyond Maria and, like, the church-like scenes. Because Freighter goes to an actual church mm-hmm. where they're preaching about the apocalypse. Yeah, which, um, given that this movie is set in 2020, Six feels pretty apt. Have you seen any women holding cups sitting upon seven-headed beasts? I have not (laughs) yet. It really annoys me, though, how it's always like a woman has to be the predictor of the apocalypse. I mean, it's annoying and also the the society we live in. (laughs) (laughs) What? There's there's an undesirable job? (laughs) Let's give it to a woman. But once the... Uh, machine man like transforms into Maria she is like a different person completely different I mean they do put a lot of black eyeliner on her but that's how you know she's the evil one is because she has black eyeliner on (laughs) just like in real life (laughs) immediately transformed by black eyeliner (laughs) but what what did you think of like her erotic dance like my my immediate thought was how does her waist and her like chest cavity like how do they work together like that the way that she was just, like, ugh, writhing all over the place. I was like, I don't think she has the same bones I have. No. I, yeah. <laughs> I did not find it erotic at all. I found it slightly disgusting and dismaying. <laughs> I wouldn't say I was disgusted by it, but yeah, it wasn't erotic. Although, like, I was laughing out loud during that scene because all the footage of the men, like... <laughs> Panting and like salivating was just so hilarious. I don't even understand what that like erotic dance had to do with their plot. Um, it was to like drive the men into a frenzy so they would like go out into the into the streets and murder all the upside people, right? Well, they did all start fighting, but like it almost seemed like she sex leads to violence. Sex leads to violence. Well, she didn't. It seemed like she like put a spell on them or something. She might have. She's a witch. They burned her at a stake. <laughs> they did burn her. <laughs> well, because she just all she did was do this like twisty dance, and then they were all like flipping out and like I think fighting that's called each magic. other. <laughs> and then she went down to the workers and was like, "All right, everyone." Like, now I'm going to incite you into violence. Yeah. Sex leads to violence, and that's the message we're supposed to take from this movie. That's a message we're supposed to take from this movie. I think it's funny how Freighter's the only one who notices that 
Maria seems different at all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she's been preaching to these people for how long? And then, like, all of a sudden she comes in and she's, like, grabbing her chest and, like, telling everyone to, like, go out and destroy things. And no one's like, wait a second. I know. I know. I mean, I guess that's, like, shows how much maybe they're just not, like, critical thinkers. They're just, like, the masses who just will follow whatever, you know, savior is presented to them, which I think is, again, like, a pretty poor illustration of the working classes. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I maybe they were just so broken of spirit that they couldn't do anything else. Yeah. They're like, we will take anybody who tells us to do something, whatever that something is. Did you like the special effects around the robot? And so I was like, oh, this is what they imagine, what they imagine the, like, special science of the future will be like. And it seems very magical. Um, Like, all the, like, flashing lights and the bubbling liquid that apparently does something. (laughs) I don't know what that does. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. And to, like, think about how they had to do all of, like, the transformations without, like, just by, like, exposing the film over and over again, not by... You know, just, you know, a few clicks um, on a computer. It's such a... I just think it's so cool. Like, I I love seeing the actual machine man. Mm-hmm. And then, but I didn't understand how, like, what the actual process was of, like, suddenly it's Maria. But, like... <laughs> but she's not dead. <laughs> yeah, but she's not dead. Yeah, that part was scary to... I actually thought that was scary when, like, Rotvong is chasing her and he's, he, like, overpowers her and then, like, hooks yeah. her up to that. Like, that was actually very scary, but then somehow that had no real effect, so <laughs> I guess it was okay. Yeah, she, they were just taking... He was just taking her likeness, not her actual uh, self, so it's fine. Once the robot is burned at the stake, it just melts away, apparently, so I don't know what... <laughs> I don't know what keeps it on. well so what do you think metropolis like two years later would have looked like that's a really good question um how long does a revolution take to be like to be successful i feel like i should be asking you that question you're you're the one who has the history background yeah Yeah, i mean you're the one who's seen this movie multiple times um (laughs) and knows a lot about germany uh well if we're talking i mean i was gonna say like 10 years but i don't know yeah i feel like yeah, I feel like two years is enough time to have done, like, like to figured out the rules for the Truth and Reconciliation Council. You know, not enough to, like, change any of the laws. I feel like you have a lot more faith in the fact that real change would have happened after this <laughs> than I do. Because I'm imagining that they just, like, throw some, they'll be like, look, uh, we'll give you, like, every other Sunday off or something like that. <laughs> right, they finally then- get an eight-hour day. Yeah, or something, and then they're they're supposed to be satisfied with that. I always think that they, you know, it would just go back to similar oppression, and then later on it would turn into violent revolution, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's probably more likely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you're thinking, this is like Weimar Germany, so. Yeah. Uh, listen, I just finished reading a book by Desmond Tutu about forgiveness, oh. so <laughs> it's the, uh, the frame I'm in. <laughs> You're in a hopeful frame of mind. I just finished reading a book about German-occupied Paris during World War II. So, So, for this episode, you're the pessimist and I'm the optimist. Yes. Which is unlike... I feel like we're reversed. Yeah. What's happening? (laughs) 
We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. Well, you talked about this a little bit, but do you think that there's a social justice message to the film? I do. I mean, I think we've talked about how it's a little bit flawed, but I think in there's definitely an attempt to say, you know, there's a divide in society between, you know, the working class and the ruling class, and there needs to be something that, you know, mediates between those two classes. I think it doesn't go so far as to say, like, you know, these will these two classes will never exist or will stop existing. But I think it's, you know, it says, you know, there has to be something that, you know, makes it possible so that there's a little bit more equality. And it has a woman revolutionary in it, so that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we've already talked about how she's more saintly. I don't know, what do you think? I mean, I definitely, even if it's not sort of like the, well, I was, I mean, it is the text of the film that the workers are being oppressed and something needs to change. Yeah. So I would say yes. And I mean, it went so far as to transform the heart machine into Moloch and like show them sacrificing the workers' bodies into it. So it was like pretty explicit and showing the plight of working people. Yeah. I would say yes. Yeah. That it does. I just didn't think it went far enough. Yeah. It's more, it's, I think it's pretty overt, like, of all the movies that we've watched, it's one of the more overtly social justice movies, but I don't think, I agree with you, I don't know that it goes far enough. I've been living my own life, making my own decisions for a long while now. It's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again. Um, what about Bechtel? I don't think it passes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, which is sad because, like, for a movie from this time, it actually does have, like, a pretty strong female lead and, like, interesting roles and stuff. But, yeah, like, yeah, there's there's no other women who talk in this movie. <laughs> right. So. There's two of the same woman. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and she, she never talks to herself. Yeah, and I think we talked about how, like, you mentioned that there's, like, the, like, the good and evil woman and, like, the saint and the whore kind of paradigm is definitely at play in this movie. Which we do not want to perpetuate. No. But I do think that, like, part of the reason that this movie, like, drew me in so much was because of that strong double female role. Mm -hmm. So, like, it feels like there are some slight feminist elements to it, but it's undermined by a lot of other things going on in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a strong enough feminist element. Tell me confidentially. Are these rumors true that wedding bells are soon to ring for you and Lena? Um, We did get a Twitter question, uh... Which was to for each of us to say what what our favorite scene in the movie was. Do you have an answer for that? Uh, this I thought a lot about it just because it's just such a beautiful, like striking film mm-hmm. that there's like I actually was thinking after I watched it, I should really buy one of the movie posters of this <laughs> movie because it's just so cool. But mm-hmm. the scene that really stuck with me is the scene of Freighter working on the like clock-like part of the heart oh, machine uh-huh. where the light bulbs light up and he just has to keep moving the arms to like f- match the light bulbs and it's just the super arduous work that he's doing all day <laughs> Which, like, uh, it's, I love my job and I'm very grateful for my job but I also identified very closely with that job Oh, yeah, I think I wrote down, like, we are all freighter. <laughs> we are all freighter at the clock. We're just trying to match the, the hands with the, 
<laughs> the lights. <laughs> but like, I thought that was just such a cool image because mm-hmm. it seemed so incredibly like futile. Like, why are the light bulbs lighting up? Why do they have to move the arms to it? But and the fact that it resembled a clock and the way that capitalism focuses so much on time, mm-hmm. like being equated with money mm-hmm. and. I th- still I think about that a lot in that movie, mm-hmm. um, and it was basically like turning his body into a machine too. Mm-hmm. So, well, what what is your favorite scene, Hill? I think I liked the whole sequence when they are when the under when the city the underground city is um, flooding and they are like the kids are there and they're like freaking out and then. The guy who used to be the right-hand man of the father. Uh, Yosefat? Yeah, so Yosefat and Maria and um, Freder are, you know, they're running into the city to, you know, to to try and, like, you know, gather the children. And so there's the three of them working together and, you know, the city is flooding and the children are racing out of the, um, the houses. And that you can tell that it's a miniature set um, that's kind of flooding and then there's the whole sequence of them, like, get it going up the stairs, and then the stairway is blocked, and and so then they have to, like, climb up the, like, the support beams to, like, get the grate open so the kids can get out. And I, there was just something about that there were, there, there were these three adults, like, trying to, like, usher these children up, like, out of the like flooded area that like seemed so like iconic to me and was like like the visuals were I guess it like was a like a small scene but it was felt very vibrant and um like fast-paced and like illustrated the like oh they were almost there but then they like had all these like obstacles in their way and they like persisted that's a good choice (laughs) I mean there's a lot like there's just it's a really beautiful film yeah, I think a lot of people would probably say the transformation scene. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think that's, like, the most famous scene, which is also really cool. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. We have to look for some gifts of that. <laughs> all Metropolis gifts, gifts all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was looking around, and, like, half of them are just of the erotic dance. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, are we ready to rate? I'm, af- I'm afraid to rate this movie first. <laughs> Oh, to, to hope be afraid, Hell, you can give it whatever rating you want. <laughs> when have we not disagreed? <laughs> Just once, be- twice before. Um, I, I think I would probably give this movie, I think I probably would give it a four. With points taken off for, like, the fact that he was such a, like, mean director. I'm struggling, because I think this, I mean, this is on a lot of lists as, like, one of the top ten best Mm-hmm. films of all mm-hmm. time so yeah. it's like <laughs> so who are we to not give it a five is that what you're saying well i mean honestly i kind of want to i i think i'm gonna give it a 4.9 <laughs> because because the rating system is subjective uh-huh. and i will say that like this is an exact science what are you talking about <laughs> because i find this film fascinating and striking i it's it doesn't like fill me with joy to watch it or anything like that Mm -hmm. but it's just like engrossing so it's Mm -hmm. not like oh um 
I really need a pick me up on Sunday. I'm going to put Metropolis on. Like that's for two not and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I'm not going to put on this dystopian movie. But I do think it's a movie everyone should see. Like everyone, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's just really cool. And, yeah, I agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's how I feel about it. And I I like that. Like I try to. It, it's not like I'm as big of a silent movie person as other people, but. Um, I like that it lowers the barrier for people to watch foreign language films, mm-hmm. too. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, I'm always trying to... I'm, they're like, I'm not going to watch this German film. And I'm like, wait. <laughs> it's silent. So if that doesn't sell you... <laughs> no, it's a silent foreign film. It's even better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Everyone watch it. Um, at one point, my best friend and I wanted to do, like, a themed party around it. I don't know how that would go over. Um, I would attend that party. I would be, feel very insulted if I wasn't invited to that party, so... Would you come dressed as a cyborg? This is the question. I might. Okay. <laughs> if that was a requirement, <laughs> sure. Uh, well, so what's our next movie, Hill? Oh, so our next movie is To Be or Not To Be. Still Germany, don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> May it please the court, I submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex. Follow The Screen Sirens on Twitter, at The Screen Sirens. And leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us. Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day. Thank you.